had my Christmas greeting to you. Mark, I see you already made a run to that book table to beat everybody else. There's bargains to be had. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the end of the New Testament. We're going to be giving our attention to the letter of 1 John. Christmas text is 1 John chapter 5, verses 6 to 13. <clears throat> the other night it was, it was a little late and I was um, I just was channel surfing for a Christmas movie. And um, the only thing I could find, not a classic, but there it was, Home Alone 2. And I confess I, I only lasted about 10 minutes. Um, but I did, by God's providence, happen to drop in on the moment when Kevin McAllister is checking into the Crown Plaza Hotel in New York City by himself using his father's credit card and being shown his lavish, opulent suite of rooms. When the bellhop asks him if he needs help with the TV, Kevin, in his characteristic, precocious manner, responds, I'm 10 years old. TV is my life. It was a providential moment as I had been praying through our text for today. What Kevin meant is, not only do I know how to operate a TV, the TV and all that it offers is my joy. It's it's my focus, it's my comfort, it's what sustains me, it's what fills the margins. TV is my life. And that movie came out 30 years ago. We used to say, some still do say, "My, my friends are my life. Sports are my life. Making money is my life. Now we say, my smartphone is my life. Social media is my life. Hot takes and Twitter quotes are my life. Gaming is my life. For the past month, we've sought to bring focus during this Advent season under this banner of this is my son. And today, Christmas Day, the the culmination of that focus is, is the prayer that we all might say, Jesus is my life. Jesus is my joy. Jesus is my ambition. Jesus is my all because there is none like Jesus. And in order for this to happen, in order for us to say that, Sincerely, truly, we need to know, we need to know things about Jesus, and we need to know that Jesus is God's dearly loved Son, we need to know that Jesus is God's divinely begotten Son, we need to know that He is our great High Priest and our matchless, unrivaled King, but even more than that, for Jesus to be our life, we need to actually taste and see and experience the glory of all that Jesus is. 
And that's, I believe, the point of our text today. So if, if you're able, I want to invite you to stand, follow along. I'm going to read 1 John chapter 5, <clears throat> verses 6 through 13. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water, and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have Life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. It's God's word. Let's pray. <clears throat> so, Lord, for, for any of this text to accomplish anything in us. We look to you. Father, you, you clearly want us to know life, and you want us to have life, and you want us to have life in Jesus. You want Jesus. It would be to your glory it would be to your praise if Jesus was our life. So we look to you, God. May you accomplish this great thing. Bring about this great miracle for your sake, the sake of your praise. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We live in a world... <clears throat> We live in a world that aims to overcome us, and the, and the way it aims to overcome us is by making us think that God and God's ways and God's commands are burdensome. The world aims to overcome us by making us think that God and his ways and his commands take life, as opposed to give life. But John tells us that the way to overcome the world is to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 5, it says, Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And, and then it's as if John 
stops and, and, and thinks for a second, and then he says, you know, for them, to, for them to have life in the sun, I need to explain to them how they can be absolutely certain that Jesus is God's son. And then that's what he takes on in the rest of our text. In the first half of verse 6, John shows one reason that we can be absolutely certain that Jesus is God's son, and that's because Jesus came. He was born, and he showed us his glory in history. And he showed us his glory in history as it is recorded in the Bible. So the first half of verse 6 says, This is he, this is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. So one reason we know that Jesus is the Son of God is because he came into the world. But what does it mean that he came by water? blood. Some think that that refers to the water and blood that poured from Jesus' side when the Roman soldier stuck him with a spear. But it doesn't make sense that he came by water and blood which flowed from his side. More compelling is the perspective that the water and the blood refer to the bookends of Jesus' public ministry life. His his public ministry began with his water baptism, and it ended with his bloody death on the cross. And so, the way we, we know that Jesus is the Son of God is because he showed us his glory in history as it is recorded and accounted for in the Bible. We began this Advent series with Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, which says... When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. That's the beginning. Mark 15, verse 39, we see the ending of Jesus' earthly ministry. When the centurion who stood facing him saw that that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. So the historical events of Jesus' baptism and Jesus' death, as recorded in the Bible, both show that he is God's Son. And this is why Christmas is so, so crucial to all of that. You think of it. Think of a two-story house. The bottom floor is the earth where we live. The second story is heaven where God lives. And since we can't get to the second floor from the first floor, we could, we could, we could conclude that you know, we'll never learn anything for sure about God. He's up there, we're down here. What can we know? We could think that the best we can do is just sort of imagine what God is like, or or we could believe nothing and be, you know, that's, I guess that's what agnostics are. But what John is telling us is that in the person of Jesus Christ, God actually walked down the stairs from the second floor to the first floor. And it happened in Palestine around 30 AD. And we have four historical documents, the Gospels, that... uh, are based on eyewitness accounts of what happened when God the Father in the person of God the Son 
came down to the first floor where we could see him and we could watch him and we could listen to what he had to say. And so as we read about Jesus living, living in this world with incredible freedom and love and truthfulness and integrity and great power, what we see is God's son. We see the begotten son. We see this generation of God himself. And when we read about Jesus healing the sick and multiplying the loaves and the fishes and calming raging storms and raising the dead, what we are seeing is the glory of God himself in the glory of God's Son. See how remarkable that is? that We have, we have in history, the actual person of the presence of God. This is so different than any other religion. Buddha talked about God. Jesus was God. Muhammad talked about God. Jesus was God. So one reason that we can know Jesus is God's son is because he came. He came and he showed us his glory in history as recorded in the Bible. Now, as compelling as that is, as strong as that reason is, and, and it's really strong, John says that God does something even more to make our confidence even stronger. That is, God's Spirit testifies to us of the glory of Jesus. God's Spirit testifies to the glory of Jesus through what we see of Jesus' glory as it is recorded in the Bible. Look at the end of verse 6. The Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. So, So John's now, he's talking about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. John says that God, the Holy Spirit, actually testifies to us that Jesus is the Son of God. I can think of at least a couple occasions when I've heard somebody say to me, you know, I, I would believe if God came down to earth and told me himself. If God himself came, told me that Jesus is the Son of God, that would settle it for me. I'd be persuaded. John says... That's exactly what God does. (laughs) This is an awesome thing that by the Holy Spirit, God himself testifies to us that Jesus is the Son of God. How does he do that? Look again at verse 6. The Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree. You see that in the Spirit, it's it's the Spirit, the Spirit is, verse 6, it's the Spirit who's testifying. And then in verses 7 and 8, John explains how it is that the Spirit testifies. He's saying that the Spirit testifies together with the water and the blood. In other words, the Spirit testifies with what the Scriptures teach us about Jesus. Or to say it another way, what the Spirit does is to reveal to us the glory of Jesus 
as we see Jesus and the events of Jesus' life as they are recorded in the Bible. So it's one thing, for example, to read about Jesus' baptism in in Matthew chapter 3 and conclude, wow, Jesus was the Son of God, written by an eyewitness. I can believe that. I'll ring that bell. Jesus is the Son of God. That's one thing. But it is entirely different thing to read Matthew chapter 3, and as you read, you have the Holy Spirit supernaturally revealing to you the glory of Jesus in that passage. To see the glory of Jesus humbling himself, be baptized by John, to see the glory of Jesus receiving the Holy Spirit, to see the glory of Jesus in in the pleasure and the affection of God the Father. So the way the Holy Spirit testifies is by revealing to us the glory of Jesus as Jesus is revealed in the words of the Bible. J.I. Packer writes, The Spirit makes known the personal presence in and with the Christian and the church of the risen, reigning Savior, the Jesus of history, who is the Christ of faith. And he does it in order that the Christ that Christ may be known, loved, trusted, honored, and praised, which is the Spirit's aim and purpose throughout, as it is the aim and purpose of God the Father. That means that the ongoing work of the Spirit is to make Jesus our life. Way more than TV. Way more than our phones. It's not that the Holy Spirit, listen, it's not that the Holy Spirit just kind of gives you chills when you read the the text of Scripture, so you think, whoa, those chills show me that this text is true. That is not it. Nor is it the Holy Spirit that comes and tells you something separate from the text. It's not that the Spirit whispers, listen, Matthew 3, 16, and 17 is true. So you believe Matthew 3, 16, and 17 is true. That's not it. What the Holy Spirit does is shows the glory of Jesus in Matthew 16 and 17. That is a glorious person. It's it's like the words of the text become a window through which you you see the actual glory of Christ. It's like the words of Matthew 3 become a a door through which you experience the actual glory of Christ. And when you see and you experience the actual glory of Jesus, it's, it's it's not a matter of merely drawing logical references from historical records. You actually... You see actual glory in Jesus. The Apostle Paul 
talks about this as well. He explains it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 6, when he says, God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So, so Paul's describing how God saves somebody. There are two things involved. First, Paul mentions this knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That would be facts such as Jesus' baptism, Jesus' death on the cross. Those facts are essential. They're necessary. You cannot be saved without the facts of Jesus. But being saved involves more than just agreeing with facts. The devil and the demons agree with the facts. So there's a second thing, and that's there's light. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Why does Paul talk about light? The light of this knowledge. Well, as John is saying, it's one thing to agree that Jesus is glorious. It's another thing altogether to sense it and to taste it and to feel the actual glory of Jesus. In 1 John 5, John is saying that that the Spirit himself testifies. The Spirit himself joins with the water and with the blood and, and testifies. And what this means is that the Spirit reveals to us the glory of Jesus in the pages of the Bible. So listen, the reason that we believe Jesus is God's Son is not just because he, he fulfills the foreshadowing type of Melchizedek, the reason that we believe that Jesus is God's son is, is not just because he fulfills the prophecy of an unrivaled matchless king. Those things are true. But loved ones, we have, we've got more. We've got more. By the Spirit, we can see the very glory of Jesus in those scriptures. By the Spirit, we can see Jesus himself as God's son in the scriptures. Now, it's, it's important, I believe, to mention that this testimony of the Spirit is not always strong. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. And this testimony is not always there. It comes and goes depending on how much sleep we got <laughs> or depending on sin in your life. Or depending on your practice of those habits of grace, which we're going to start talking about next week. Or it's dependent on whether or not the devil happens to be sitting on your face when you got up this morning. Or any other number of variables. I, I, I confess to you, by my own experience this last week, I, I'm, I'm looking at this text day after day, night after night, and I saw things, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, that's, that's, that's true, that's helpful, that's, that's the meaning of this passage. I think it was sometime late last night, or early this morning, as I was laying awake, thinking about this passage, and it became glorious. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. It just, it just became meaningful. It, just beca it struck me. These things are not just facts, helpful ideas. This is life-giving. 
If God has saved you, saying to you, let light shine in the darkness, then by the Spirit, you will see the very glory of Jesus in the Scriptures. You will see his glory in his baptism. You'll see his glory in his healing the blind and the lame and the lepers. You'll see his glory in his suffering and his dying on the cross. You will see his glory in his resurrection and in his eternal intercession on your behalf before the throne of God, pleading those wounds before the Father. And this brings us to a third reason for our confidence that Jesus is actually the Son of God. God's testimony that Jesus is his Son. It's the greatest testimony. It's the the best testimony. What could be greater than God himself giving us the gift of personal experience of the glory of Jesus? Look at verse 9. If... We receive the testimony of men. The testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. You know, we, we, we all live our lives based on testimonies of people. Man's testimony. If the, if the weatherman says... High of minus 10, 40 mile an hour winds, blowing snow, whiteout conditions. Most of us would limit our travel. If a friend says, Plaza Azteca, (laughs) it's the best. So we try to go there. The challenge these days is that we just don't always know who we can believe. And that's why God's testimony, God's testimony is the greatest testimony. Why? It says, for this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. What is this? This refers to this dual and and separate testimonies given by God. God has given us the testimony concerning Jesus through the word, through the record of his birth and baptism and miracles, teaching, death, resurrection, prophecies, so on and so forth. But that's not the only testimony that God gives. John says that God also gives us the testimony about the testimony he has borne concerning his son. And that's why God's testimony is so much greater than the testimony of man. God not only gives us testimony to Jesus here in the Bible, God also gives us testimony to the truth of words in the Bible. And he does so by having the Holy Spirit give us the actual experience of the glory of Jesus, his son, in the words of Scripture. It's when Jesus becomes more than a name, more than a word. And that means that God's testimony is the greatest testimony. God's testimony is the only absolutely certain testimony. And it, here's, here's what makes it really great. It is absolutely true for everyone. How so? Because, because God's testimony is the only testimony that breaks into your experience from God himself. God supernaturally shows you that Jesus is his son by showing you Jesus' glory. It doesn't come from you. 
It's a miracle. It doesn't come from your parents. It doesn't come from your friends or your church. It comes to you from God. Nor is it a cultural thing or an ethnic thing. There there are tree worshipers in the Amazon who have seen that Jesus is the Son of God by this testimony. There are Muslims in Iran who have seen that Jesus is the Son of God by this testimony. There are worshipers of the volcano goddess Pele in Polynesia that have seen that Jesus is the Son of God by this testimony. And by this testimony, you will be as sure that Jesus is God's Son as you are sure that you are sitting in this room. You will know it. By immediate experience, your certainty will not rise from deductions and inferences and logic alone. You will have seen the glory of Jesus in the words of Scripture, and you will know with certainty that he is God's Son. Here's a fourth, here's a fourth thing, a fourth observation. This Spirit-given testimony of Jesus' glory is what generates, produces faith. The the miracle of the Spirit's testimony of Jesus' glory is what produces the miracle of believing. Believing's a gift. Look at verse 10. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. So when John talks about believing in the Son of God, he's not not just talking about intellectually agreeing that Jesus is God's Son. He's not talking about doctrinal affirmation. When John talks about believing in Jesus, he means that Jesus is your life. He means that Jesus is your joy. He means that Jesus is your ambition. And he means that your time and your energy and your money and your relationships and your work are all devoted to enjoying the glory of Jesus. That's what John means when he talks about believing in Jesus. And that kind of believing, that's a miracle. And where does that miraculous kind of believing come from? According to verse 10, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. The kind of believing comes from the testimony that God gives to you. God plants in you through this spirit given revelation of Jesus. You see Jesus' glory. You sense Jesus' glory. You feel Jesus' glory in you. And the result is that you trust him. You believe in him. You rely on him as the son of God. And as you continue to receive the spirit-given testimony, you continue to believe. You continue to trust. You continue to rely on on Jesus as the Son of God. You see how serious it is that we receive and we pursue and we nurture this testimony given by the Spirit? Because if we do, we will trust in Jesus. 
If we do, we, we will rely on him. We, he will be our life. But if we don't trust Jesus, if we don't rely on Jesus, if Jesus is not our life, then, then we're essentially saying, God, you're a liar. What, what you say is just, it's, it, it's nothing. I don't trust you. The, the testimony you have made concerning your son, it just, it just doesn't do it for me. But then John restates it all one more time in verse 11. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. So up until this point, John said that when God gave us his testimony, he revealed Jesus to us. Now he says that when God gives us his testimony, he gives us life. He gives us eternal life. I believe that this means that when we see the glory of Jesus as God's son, he's glorious to us. That is the beginning of the experience of eternal life because eternal life is seeing and enjoying the very glory of Jesus. Verse 12, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. The life of, that God gives us in experiencing the glory of it's, the, it's, it's experiencing the glory of the Son. And it's found in beholding the glory of Jesus, in tasting the glory of Jesus, in adoring the glory of Jesus. If you have the Son, if you're beholding his glory, then you have life. And if you do not have the Son, if you're not beholding his glory, you do not have life. Verse 13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Just, just let that sink in. The Christian life means regularly having the Holy Spirit supernaturally revealing to us the glory of Jesus in the scriptures. Where you don't just agree that Jesus is glorious, but that you sense that Jesus is glorious and you taste it and you know it. And the Spirit given testimony of the glory of God's Son. It's our life. It's life. Maybe it has been a while since you've experienced this. Perhaps you've never experienced this. Perhaps you experience it often. But on this Christmas morning, I believe that God wants to stir us up. Stir up some of us who have not experienced it for a while. Because it is an awesome truth that God, through his word, by his spirit, will give us a sense of the glory of Jesus. And in this is life. Make a fresh commitment to seek this glorious work of God. Let's pray together. It would be a mistake. It would be a misunderstanding 
if we came away thinking, I need this experience. Lord, we're not looking for an experience. We're looking for Jesus. We're looking for a glorious Christ. And so, Father, show us the glory of the Son. Speak into our hearts and souls and say, Light of my glory in the face of Jesus, shine. Shine. Shine, Jesus, shine. And we ask you, Lord, to show us your glory in the face of Jesus. Because you have promise to us. You have said, if you, though you are evil, know how to pour out good gifts on your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for him? We ask, O Lord, for this testimony, this testimony of your spirit making real and glorious to us all that Jesus is for us. We ask this in his name. Amen.